Vigue. Goons. Touch of all, Joe. It's only game. Hello and welcome everyone to the show that gets people talking about something else. This is Big Shine Goons, episode 16. I'm your host Thomas and with me today is the managing editor and head of scouting at Dauber Prospects, Tony Ferrari. Tony, how's it going, man? Hey, man, it's not too bad. It's going pretty good. Just happy to be talking music instead of hockey right now. The, uh, the Leafs were wonderfully leafy. <laughs> so you're uh, like a diehard Leafs fan or what are we talking about uh, here? Yeah, I, I used to be. I don't know what's going on now. <laughs> I used to be, though. They, uh, they do a lot to your heart, and I don't know if my doctor's appreciating it all that much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, wavering a little bit, just not oh. not feeling the love? <laughs> I, I know I'll be back in the fall. Like, it, it's going to be the same thing as every year, but, man, this one was just predictably tough to watch. Yeah, definitely. Where were you? Uh, were you just, like, at home just going through all the pain, going through all the emotions through all seven games. Yeah, I was, I was at home watching the games. And I remember after game five, I text my buddy and I'm like, you know what? I think that the Habs are going to come back. And he goes, no, it's just you being a Leafs fan. I'm like, no, it's going to happen, dude. I don't know why I feel this way. Like I was super confident going in the series, but yep. Nope. They came back. It was great. Yeah. Even I think, I don't know if it was another podcast or anything, but I remember saying to myself, the Leaf, the Leafs are going to sweep the Habs <laughs> and I was just like I was just so foolhardy of just like it's this Habs team like it's you're not fooling anyone here you're not predicting anyone anything but I was just so into it just like they're gonna break it whatever in four games just easy but no it's the exact opposite <laughs> yep it was uh they they went up big and gave us hope like they always do that's that's the yeah. most leaf thing ever in in the middle of a yeah. pandemic when everything is going wild the leaves are consistent just beautiful some sense of normalcy right yeah exactly right awesome uh well speaking of i guess some semblance of normalcy the nhl draft is coming up in a cut in what six weeks or so yeah something about- um something like that seven whatever um and like so as the head of scouting at Dauber, one of like the premier kind of go to places really to get all your stuff, like how has that been like different this year? Like how has it just been like trying to scout these guys that are hardly playing? It's been a weird year. I think the biggest thing that I've, I've, as I'm starting to reflect back on the entire year as we're getting closer and stuff and my, uh, all the boards are kind of getting finalized and everything. And the big thing I look back on is, man, like I felt like I did this year in, in like, little chunks of, of stages because it seemed like at any given time there was one or two leagues running and you were able to completely dial in on those two leagues and then those two leagues would shut down and you'd be dialed in on two other leagues and it, it was a really weird situation and then of course I, i'm located in ontario windsor so i'm close to the border but i can't go over the border and uh, i couldn't go to any ohl hockey this year so i actually got to see no live hockey this year unfortunately so everything was on video as well and i mean I'm used to the video anyways. I'm not getting to Sweden. I'm not getting out West and stuff to see all these guys live. So I do what I can, but man, like not seeing anything live, seeing the world under 18s be up in the air thrown from Plymouth to Texas. There, there was a lot of weird stuff that went on, but man, like the, the one nice thing is I, I think people started to realize the value of video scouting and, and just how valuable it is to know that, Hey, I can get four views of a guy in, in a time where I could normally get one if I'm driving to go see him live somewhere. So it's been an interesting year, a year of trying. And I know uh, a lot of NHL scouts have had uh, 
a, a bit of difficulty with working with some of the technology. So it's been a, a fun one to talk to those guys too. Yeah. So do you think like NHL teams are kind of being more into video maybe in the future? I guess like every aspect, every like industry is kind of being more Zoom calls, like instead of flying places or whatever. But do you think that's going to spread into the NHL of more much more video scouting than usual. Yeah, I think it is. Cause I, I think we're starting to see it already over the last few years, even, but even before the pandemic, they were starting to see mm. teams hire video scouts where their entire job was to, to work as a video scout. You sat at your computer and watched all the video and I'm, I'm sure you got to live games here and there and stuff, but your primary job was to work the video and you're, you're seeing now with the pandemic and everything, other organizations starting to add more of that and using video scouting for crossover and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see the development and the odds and, as we're seeing that happen, we're starting to see more people like myself and people like Yoki Nevalainen, who was formerly at Dauber Prospects, and now he's working at the Carolina Hurricanes. And you're seeing people get interest from teams and you're seeing the conversations happen now. So that's a really interesting aspect of it all, too, is they're starting to lean on some of the younger, more uh, maybe Twitter scouts that, that people kind of ridicule sometimes. Yeah, like it is always like a mixed bag, too. Like it's I I have been privy to like kind of laugh a little bit at like uh some a dude with like 400 followers and be like this is on my draft board and stuff but also it's like there's still some truth to like people are watching a lot of hockey like it's so accessible now that like people will have opinions and kind of to differ from the norm is sometimes good and like to really have an opinion of what you like in a hockey player so um yeah, I just feel like it's a it's a unique experience to kind of get involved in something else and something that was already, as you were saying, like something that was already heading there, really. Um, do you see any other, like, I guess, unique things that have popped up for you just like through this kind of past year, really diving in with Dauber and everything? I think the big thing is you're, you're seeing how much like, when you're talking, I talk to NHL scouts here and there and stuff from a few different teams and you're seeing how much more this year, especially they're relying on these big international tournaments. Like I was talking to one scout who's just over the moon about a, a player because of the world under 18s and the rest of the season, that player was not good at all. And it was kind of like, okay, like you can draft him. I see what you're saying, but like, you got to watch it because you're, you're working with a small sample size here. And I think this year, because everyone's kind of throwing sample size out the window, because some leagues have played 20 games and other leagues have played 50, 60, they're, they're not really differentiating between that. And they're, they're going with those small samples sometimes. And and I'm sure it's going to work out in a lot of cases, but there's going to be definitely cases where a guy ends up getting drafted way too high or, or way too low on the other end of the spectrum. So it's definitely going to be interesting because I think we're going to have a bit more wide open of a draft this year, especially there's, there's no certified number one pick. There's no like Alexi Lafreniere or, or even a Quentin Byfield level player this year that would be challenging for that first overall pick. So it, it's an interesting year where there could be all sorts of different things that happen, especially at the top. But yeah, speaking of that, this class, is there any kind of particular name like you might not see at the top or anything, but just like someone that can kind of be a little bit better and kind of, has potential to be at least like a very, very solid NHL contributor, like maybe someone that's not getting talked about enough. Well, I think the one guy I've been kind of banging the table for all year is Fabian Liesel, the Swedish forward. He played in the same organization as Lucas Raymond did last year in Forlunda and mid season, because he didn't get an opportunity with the SHL team. He asked for a trade and he went to the Lulio organization, got some time with the SHL team, looked really, really good when he was playing 10, 11, 12 minutes a night. And then as the playoffs kind of came up and stuff, he got down to three, four minutes a night. And there, there was a couple of nights where he had two, three shifts on the, on the game. So it, it 
kind of a super small sample size with him. But when you look at all the, the metrics in terms of play driving and everything like that, he does a really, really good job in the time he's given. He's got a lot of that Lucas Raymond effect of being able to kind of drive play from the wing where, but you didn't see it because he didn't get a ton of, ton of playing time. And Lucas Raymond had the same thing happen last year, not to the same extreme, but a very similar situation in terms of playing time in, in Sweden pro hockey. So it's going to be one of those things where I, for me, he's top five on my board and, and that's kind of bold. I know a lot of people have him in the top 10, but he's going to be a guy that's maybe sitting around at 13, 14, that could get drafted in a couple of years from now. I wouldn't be shocked if we're like, man, this guy should have been gone in the top seven, eight picks. Well, as someone that professionally or tries to professionally, at least write about the Philadelphia Flyers sitting at, I guess, 13 with the Coyotes forfeiting the pick, um, that has actually been someone that I've seen mocked to the Flyers. So that excites me um, as that name. I guess, is there like a more, I guess, deeper than the first round? Maybe someone that like just kind of excites you for no particular, like not a ceiling, but just a particular like scratches your itch for like that type of hockey player that you just love and you'll love to watch. I think with the guy I'm going to go with is Scott Morrow and, and I'm kind of cheating because he's in my first round, but he's not in any really other first rounds. Sure. I think maybe Will Scouch has him in there, but for the most part, he's completely out of people's first rounds because um, I'm going completely against the rule I have, which is don't draft high school hockey players because they generally don't work out. The success rate is very, very low. And if you're going to draft them, draft them in the third, fourth round where you don't have to worry about that bust factor as much. But with Scott Morrow, this kid has, like Kale McCarr level skating almost. It's incredible the way he's able to work off his edges, change direction, just completely manipulate players. And at the high school level, he's just completely dominating. He's playing for Shattuck St. Mary's, which is a school a, a lot of hockey fans have heard of, is, if they've heard of any high school in hockey. But um, he he's incredibly smooth on the blue line. He can do basically anything. There are times where you can just see him take a game over and then he makes a pass and the high school teammates just aren't reading the play or they're, they're bumming the, the, the puck off their stick in front of the net. Like there's so many times where this kid could be even better and, and racking up even more points. He's just over a, almost two points a game, if I'm not mistaken at the high school level this year. So he's completely the best player on the ice. Every time he's out there, he looks incredible. His skating is just otherworldly. And this kid's attitude is incredible. Like I interviewed him earlier this year and I, I asked him, I'm like, so do you follow draft boards at all? Or do you like kind of follow any of that stuff? And he goes, well, not really, because every time I see myself not first overall, I get a little pissed off. And for a high school <laughs> player to say that, I'm like, yes, go That's off, amazing. man. This is amazing. I love that. Like, give me that in hockey every day. Like, and he plays with that same kind of attack. Like just, I'm the best player on the ice attitude and I'm, it's going to get him burned. He's going to go to the, he was supposed to go to North Dakota, but he switched to, I can't remember the school now, but he's going to the NCAA. So he's going to have time, but man, this is the kid. If, if someone drafts him early in the second round, oh, they're going to get a player. And, and this kid's going to be really, really fun to watch develop for the next couple of years. Well, thank you, Tony, for making me sound smart uh, for my future draft coverage. Uh, <laughs> being able to pull that out of my hat. Just like, it's a, it's a little rough when you're trying to balance everything and force to, pay attention to the draft now at this time of year. But um, I guess speaking of, I guess, players that you just fall in love with, like, is there a guy from past drafts that you have kind of seen grow? Um, and maybe it's like one of the first high picks of like the first draft you really paid attention to or something that is just like, you've seen that player's whole arc from like when they were 16, 15, 14, whatever. And just like, just kind of, enjoy like is there just someone that you just love 
being like, I remember seeing this guy when he was so young and full of potential. Oh man. My guy I go to every time is more Sider, Detroit Red Wings pick the guy that oh, everyone yeah. was crazy shocked at six. Um, mm. That was my first year really, really heavily into everything and everything. And, and I was, I had him at seven on my final board and, and everyone thought I was crazy and I ended up getting talked down. So right before my final edit, I'd released the, the, the list on Twitter with him at seven. And then when I released it on the website, I edited it one more time, put him down to 11 because I got talked out of it by someone who still works in the industry who's still very well-respected, but I, I give him crap for it all the time. And, but man, this kid just seeing so much potential in him and, and seeing the offensive ability that he's exhibited in so many tournaments now that we've seen, like everyone thought this kid was such a defensive defenseman. And I remember going late at night, going through German interviews with his coach talking about him. And the coach had said, like, we asked him to be a defense first guy. He came in as an offensive defenseman. We made him a defensive defenseman. That offense is still there. And as soon as I heard that, I started watching for little things that he was doing, whether it was a breakout pass or just the way he was controlling the puck when he was on the ice. And he was showing all the signs that you look for in a guy that can move the puck in all three zones and, and really be a contributor at both ends of the ice, along with the massive hits and the great defense that he plays. Uh, he won the defenseman of the year at the SHL level this year as a 19 year old. He's probably going to play for the Red Wings next year. Like this kid is just, he, he's something special and, and no one really saw it. So I, I like to hang my hat on that one. I don't like when he was picked, I remember cause I was like, that was another draft that I, I had to cover. And like, when he was picked and he was always slotted as like, Oh, this is your guy that like will get picked way too high like he's just a big brooding physical defenseman on the blue line like your next zach bogosian high pick kind of thing and i was like okay like maybe but i I didn't really have an opinion and i also always opt for like i have a soft spot for those like really little guys Mm -hmm. so seeing like a big like semi mobile and obviously he's like incredibly mobile actually now um like just seeing that i was like kind of turned off a little bit from that. Um, but yeah, it's what he's done this year is kind of incredible. And I'm just, I will honestly, anyone that makes me watch Detroit Red Wing games in the future yeah. uh, has to be special. And that's the thing too, right? Like I, I'm known as the guy that likes the little guy. Like every year I try to rank right. somebody that's like five foot five, just, just to have them ranked somewhere because they're great hockey players. They're just so small that it's probably not going to work out. And, and so everyone always makes fun of me for all the small guys I like. And then, course the one big guy i fell in love with was also awesome so it's just a nice little feather in my cap well i remember seeing the i think it was the world junior team oh shit when was it one of the toronto years and i was able to see it live and i saw the u.s team and jack akon was playing (laughs) and i was like there's a blue liner that's like i don't know what his actual height is but he must like his actual like he must be five six or something like yeah he is minuscule compared to like your regular blue liner like even quinn hughes like probably towers over like it's just like so just a unique ability to play at that level and just be able to shine at that and i was kind of always just pulling for him throughout his career um and so far and just like getting i think he played for providence this past year yeah yeah so he's kind of getting a look at the pro level so that's nice but um yeah it's just those little guys that you always have a soft spot for yeah, I'm always a stocky for the little guys. The little guys are always funner hockey players, usually. they got tons of skill. You just hope they can work out. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, let's move on to the first segment, kind of off the draft and talk about why you're here. Um, so, Tony, what are you checking out recently? 
Oh man, I've got a lot of random stuff in my playlist. Like that's my favorite thing about music is just finding new stuff. And like one of the guys I'm, I'm in love with right now is Young Gravy. And it sounds absolutely ridiculous. His name is so stupid, but th this guy is just, he puts out fun music. Like you can't not like at least bop your head, dance to it. Um, he's got a song, Oops, about, and it's not a pro, it's not like good stuff either. Like it's, the song is about cheating, like f stealing a guy's girl and, and sleeping with her. Like it, it's just ridiculous songs, but it's just so fun. And like, even like listening to it with other people and stuff, they're like, no, like this is super inappropriate, but it's fun as hell. And like, I can't stop listening to it. And, and then there's like other stuff. Like I, I listened to, I found a guy recently named Abby the Nomad and he has this marbled album and there's like so many good songs on it. And it's, it's almost, uh, like almost like spoken word rap. And it's, it's a little bit different from the traditional stuff that you see where you, you got a guy rapping about whatever, like drugs or guns or fighting or different things and stuff. He, he's talking about deep kind of stuff about his life and stuff like that. And I, I mean, we're going to get to some of that later too, when we talk about code of the friend and it's just, I love music that kind of makes you think and feel. And, and, and then at the other end of the spectrum, like I, I love music. That's just like so ridiculously stupid. Like some of childish Gambino songs, like, I was just listening to uh, Heartbeat by Gan Childish Gambino. And like that song is wildly problematic. There is so many things wrong with that song, but I can't help but listen to it every time it comes on just because it's such a good beat. Like you can feel the emotion in the song and like, man, like any song that makes you feel like that, that's, that's the stuff that gets me. Yeah. It's like that emotion versus like thinking music. Like, I've talked about it on the podcast before a little bit, but I was always driven to like really emotional, heavy music. So it was like either like very loud music or like very fast and like kind of playing emotion that way but it's also good to just like tune out and just like enjoy just a complete jam and just like not even really have to think but then also there's that like opposite where it really has that effect on you yeah. um there's a couple of those tracks like so i'm i'm gathering you i'm gathering from like the album that you picked and we'll get again we'll get to that later but you're like a big hip-hop fan I'm a big hip hop fan, but man, my playlist, if, if you hit shuffle on that thing, you, you'd think I have schizophrenia <laughs> or something. There's stuff from everything. Like I have Morgan Whalen, uh, Justin Bieber. I've got tons of Bieber, Kendrick Lamar, Rise Against, A Day to Remember. Uh, like there, there's so much stuff. A guy recently discovered Phineas. It's like softer, mm -hmm. like smooth music where it's like almost soul music. It's there, there's so much stuff on my playlist. Like my favorite thing to say, like whenever someone asks me about music is my, my favorite song is your favorite song. Because like I, I can listen to a song and try to find something in it that like relates, especially when someone it, someone else really loves the song. Like you can almost feel their like passion for that song. And, and, and especially when you start talking about why they like that song, it, it's just, man, I, I've always thought music is like uh, an entryway into your soul almost. And, and, and I mean, whether it's a fun song, that's just a, an inappropriate bop or like it, it's something that's more like heartfelt and, and kind of spoken wordy like it's just man like music can really change your mood completely in in, in a couple of minutes yeah definitely um so like generally when do you listen like is it just like a all day kind of thing or just do you have like periods of time yeah i'm lucky because my job right now i work as a cnc machinist and on like during my day job so uh it gives me a lot of time to watch hockey and, and while i'm watching hockey a lot of time i'm listening to music as well so my spotify playlist is just constantly on shuffle i'm on different new random playlists all the time just to see what's out there and stuff. But yeah, I usually have eight hours a day that I'm going to listen to music at work. And then I come home at night and usually when I'm, I'm writing or working or watching more hockey for scouting purposes, like it's the same thing. I've got music going because it's just a lot better than listening to some of these broadcasters to be completely honest. Yeah. I've, I've talked about that before with a couple of guests and it's like, sometimes it's just like a good way to experience an album is like 
if you have time. I think this with uh, Tony Abbott, my last guest, literally the last episode was like, if sometimes if you don't, if you want to listen to a new album, but you don't necessarily have like that hour to put into it or whatever, and you don't like really care about it that much, but you just want to check it out, like during a sporting event where you'd always be already be watching it, like already be watching the game, just listening to that instead of the broadcast or something just so much better. Um, is there usually like a different vibe compared to working or like writing or watching a game kind of with the music that you listen to? Oh man, like it, it just kind of depends on my mood that day. Like whatever I'm kind of feeling, like there's some days where I just want to listen to like just loud and intense music that's getting me pumped up. Like, especially like when I work out and stuff, of course, like that's, that's the stuff I'm going to be listening to. But like it, when I'm watching a game or stuff, that's, that's usually when I put on some of the softer stuff, the, the code of the friend, the uh, Abby, the nomad, even some of the, some childish Gambino, mm-hmm. but uh, like th- that's when I put that stuff on because yeah, it's a little calmer, lets me kind of focus in on the game and just kind of like lose myself in the beat almost in the sound of the voice rather than actually having to pay super, super deep attention to the song. Yeah. It's kind of the different too. Um, and how do you generally like discover new music? Like you talk a lot about like kind of, um, going all over the place like but if discovering new artists like how do you generally do that man one of the things i've done this year a couple times is i've just posted on twitter i'm just like hey man like Mm. let's listen to some music like tell me some song that you like Uh, it doesn't have to be a specific genre it doesn't have to be a specific band or or group or whoever like let let me hear what you like and i'll pick up a bunch of songs and just add them to a playlist real quick and then go through it and people send me albums. I'll listen to the album or parts of the album and try to see what they like. And usually I find a ton of good recommendations. And, and then there's always, of course, the Spotify playlist, new music Fridays or, or whatever other ones they have. And, or a lot of times I'll just go on the search and I'll just search like vibes or like <laughs> sad feels or whatever I'm feeling yeah, that yeah. day and, and just pick a random playlist that someone's made and, and listen to that. And you don't love every song. Like I'm not going to say that you're going to love every <laughs> song, but you find a few bangers usually and you, you get into some new artists. And then like, that's what I did with, with code of the friend is I, I found one song and then I was like, all right, like let's listen to some of his albums and let's, let's listen to his discography and stuff. And you just dive in and then you end up finding out, Oh man, I just wasted a whole day on one guy. And, and now I have 30 of his songs on my playlist. <laughs> yeah. Is there any like time that you put it out on Twitter and got like a real good hit, like some artists that you kind of have not stopped listening to since then? Oh, it might be honestly the most recent one where a couple weeks ago I put out one and, and someone had recommended me Abby the Nomad. And now I have like, I think 30 or 40 of his songs on my playlist. And again, every one I, I, I don't listen to every single one every day or anything, but like they're good songs that I toss in the playlist. They give a good vibe or something like that. And when you hit shuffle, you get one or two a day and, and then you see another one come around a few, a few days later. And it, it's just, uh, man, he's probably definitely the one recently, at least that I've uh, discovered through that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, anyways, let's move on to the the main topic while you're here, the big kahuna, uh, you could say. Um, Tony, could you tell the audience um, what album you picked to talk about? Uh, I chose everything by Code of the Friend. I was gonna I was gonna go with Camp by Childish Gambino, but there's a lot of just messed up songs on there, so I figured I'd go with something that's a little bit more chill and a little bit more vibey. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you already touched on it a little bit earlier, but like, what was your general first listen like to this album? Well, it's funny because my first listen to this album actually is the was the song um, uh, "Shoot uh, Long Beach." Sorry, and uh, it's actually probably like the most different song on this album from anything else 
Um, there's a few interludes that are just like speaking spoken word stuff, but um, this song is a, a bit more of a poppy song. It's a bit more of got more of a, a beat to it, and it's a it's a little bit more of a your typical pop song. It talks about a girl and talks about all this different stuff, and it, it's more of that mainstream song. So that's kind of what drew me in. I just happened to hear it on a playlist that I think it was like a good vibes playlist, to be completely honest. And I was like, oh man, like this really fits the vibe right now. Like I was I was kind of going through some some personal stuff, a breakup and whatnot. And I was like, man, like it's not a sad song, but like I, I it makes me feel good about what's everything that's happening. So I, I just went into that that album and, and I discovered this album and I just started from the top and worked my way down. And yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting album to kind of go through like that because it does kind of tell a bit of a story. Yeah. Like, do you think that I guess that like personal life event kind of um triggered you being like more connected to this album in general oh for sure like i think i think the big thing about music especially for me is that like if i'm feeling some kind of way like music can completely alter the way i'm thinking about that situation like like i said it was a breakup that that had triggered kind of just diving right back into music and everything like that and in this album it's kind of the one that came up but if you listen to it it's not a sad album or it's not a, a like an album where you're like upset a breakup album or anything like that it's an album about positivity and kind of understanding the energy and understanding the vibes and, and just wanting to get a work your way back in a good life and, and get, get back to the way you should be and live life a, a, in a good way. Yeah, I was, so I'd never actually listened to this album before you mentioned it. Um, and I, I want to thank you for, cause it's a very good album I find. Um, and I find it's like a very introspective, introspective, like, yeah. album. like it's a very look into yourself and just like discover the happiness. That's like, generally there and it's very like it might be like a cliche just to say like it's a good vibe album but it's also like i feel like that's what code of the friend and like reading some of his interviews and stuff is trying to like put out um like just generally that he was trying to literally make it a noticeably happier album and that's what he said and it's like and compared to his earlier stuff and just it's just something about it where it's just like this general positivity that just like radiates through every track um do you do you find that like do you feel that way that's just like a very pot like a very just positive just complete picture yeah it really does and, and like i said like for it being the, the album I, i've kind of leaned on during a breakup it, it really is a, a super positive album it's a it's an album that that makes you think about what what's important and, and it makes you think about what you can do to change your situation and stuff and and, and just look like you said looking in yourself and, and finding the happiness there and like there are songs about breaking up away park it's it's a lot about falling falling out of love with somebody and it, it puts it in a positive life and, and kind of makes makes you think a little bit and, and one of the things that i i also kind of started doing when i got into the breakup or i got out of the breakup sorry was kind of just studying buddhism a little bit not like actually going into like the religion stuff and all that whatnot but kind of just understanding like just the connection to the to the earth and to yourself and to your inner self and, and this album kind of fit perfectly with that and it just meshed together really well at the right time and it, it i started meditating and i still do that and everything and, and once in a while i like to throw an album on during while i meditate and this album's always one of the go-tos because it does have that like positive like it's gonna be okay you're gonna figure it out like you got yourself to worry about like you, you're good man like work on things and you'll be fine well that's really interesting what like i guess what drew you to put this album on while meditating other than just like the general positive vibe but is it just something like musical about it or is it more just you enjoy it i think it was just 
it, it really I really connected with the fact that it was an album that touched on topics like breaking up and touched on topics like just not connecting with somebody else and on some level and in, in different ways. And, and then again, at the same time, talking about getting your, your act together, like one of the lines from, from the last song on the track, that's actually the title song of the, the album. Everything is lately. I've been on some new shit, like feng shui shit, like beast, like be still like letting go of my bad ways in my young days, like stuff like that. It's just, it kind of lets you kind of realize like, man, like this isn't the end of anything. Like you got to keep going. Like you're, you're going to be fine. And, and that might seem a little cliche coming out of a breakup and whatnot, but it, it really was kind of that positive vibe that let me deal with it in a, in a way that wasn't toxic. Like I'm still like, it sounds weird, but like, I'm still really good friends with my ex. Like we have two kids together and stuff, but like we hang out on the weekend sometimes, like when we have stuff to do with the kids and this album and, and kind of understanding that like life isn't over, like things are fine. Like you got this. It, it, it did a really good job of kind of changing my mindset on something like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely just a, a good album and just like generally and musically too. Like I feel like maybe it's a connection between him because Code of the Friend basically like almost produced the entirety yeah. of it as well, like himself. Um, so maybe it's just like able to radiate through the production of everything too, of just like that same way of connecting his lyrics, his flow, his able to rap over all these beats and just like make sure that it all connects and has the same output and same connection to the listener um that i feel like maybe it's that sometimes you miss from it sometimes it very it feels a very disconnect like yeah. between um the music and the artist or rapper but it's just like i feel like this is just a very a cohesive piece of work like, do you no, kind of feel that way? No, totally. I think I think there's a lot of like little subtle touches, like the the interludes where he has Lapita mm -hmm. Nyong'o on there talking and and just talking about what she wants in life. And at the end of everything, he has him his son on Little Coda, and and they talk about I want everything, and he just has his son keep repeating that. And like that little moment, it got to me. Like it, it made me tear up. And 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 like any song that's gonna make me tear up or, or feel that kind of way, like feel a connection like that, it's just gonna get me. And and this song, this album, just has song after song where, even if it's just a, a line or two, it really kind of makes you think and makes you kind of like you said, reflecting on yourself and, and kind of go, okay, what what can I do with that that one line? Like why does that line stick out to me? What, why does it, it, it make me kind of have to reflect on myself? And, and that's been something that that's part of the reason why I think I, I did play it when I, when I'd meditate and stuff is because there it'd be playing and I'd be just be kind of focusing on my breathing. And then one line would come up and it would let me dive into something like that and let me dive into my, myself and whatnot. And I, I think it's really good to be able to kind of dive into yourself and reflect on, on everything kind of going on around you and, and near you and in, in your, in your, in your heart and in your mind it's important to connect with that stuff yeah definitely that kind of i guess that helps with general uh introduction to buddhism and kind of just that general teaching um i guess yeah but so would you find that and i've talked about it on the show before um with other guests and stuff and like connecting to albums and obviously that's pretty much what this entire show is about but just connecting to albums in a certain way where it's very personal and very direct and very like i can literally relate to this these exact words that the artist is speaking or singing or it's a more like abstract relation like do you feel it's kind of a much more maybe it's the relation of like a, a like 
the talking about fatherhood or just in general of being such a direct relation, but do you feel it's more like abstract or just a very um, pinpoint kind of touching on you? Man, it's really interesting because I, I think there's elements of both. Like it, it, it there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that directly relates. Like, like I said, there's the, the that end of the, the the album basically where he has his son on and stuff, and I obviously connect to that with two boys of my own. But then there's other things that that it, it doesn't directly relate to your life, and it doesn't directly bring up an exact memory. But it, it's almost like a metaphor to something, or or there, there's something that it's telling you, man, like. You, you realize, hey, this is what I want from from the next step in my life, or this is what I want in life. Uh, it talks about energy and, and you're feeling your spirit and your vibe and, and so many different things while also acknowledging like you also got to like connect with someone physically and, and, and know that this person is going to be the person that's going to be with you. And, and, and sometimes that's not going to be the person that's with you forever. Like it, it's it's a really interesting album to kind of just understand that nothing is perfect and nothing is is meant to be forever. But at the same time, you're going to be okay. And everything is fine. If you just kind of focus on yourself and, and what you can get out of life on every given day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's couldn't put it better myself. Um, and kind of just lastly, like if someone was discovering this album for the first time, like what was the, what would you say would be a first track to really get a sense of the album? Uh, there's, there's a couple. It, if, if it's someone that's more into mainstream music, I definitely recommend Long Beach. That's the song I found the first time. It's it's a little bit funner. It's a little bit more of a poppy, upbeat song. But if the, the two songs that I think really connect, that really get me are, are Everything, which is the end song on the album, or Away Park. I think Away Park does a really good job of kind of showing you that life isn't perfect and, and things are going to be okay, but sometimes you got to move on. And, and a lot of times you're both holding on for too long. And I think that song does a really good job of, both putting a negative situation in a positive light as well as kind of realizing like, Hey, you're going to find happiness on your own too. So um, I, I think if you want to get emotional, everything or away park is the song, but if, if you just want to bop and, and get a good vibe to start things off, long beach is the way to go. Oh, well, that's perfect. Um, speaking of recommendations, let's move on to the last segment of the show. Um, do you have Tony, do you have anything to show the audience kind of a show and tell thing i guess um, oh. any uh, book article movie tv show you're checking out recently just something to get a glimpse of what um you're liking right now or just something that you feel like you should share to the people that listen to this show all right well i'll give two quick recommendations of books that i i've been reading or, or have read in the past mm-hmm. recently and the first one's going to be life's meandering path it's a buddhist book uh, it's about Buddhism in a bit of a modern perspective. It's not so much the religion of everything. It's more of the the thoughts behind everything and, and, and kind of asking why about a lot of different things about the, re- the religion and practice itself. So I think that's a really good book. Um, the guy has a podcast too, if you want to listen to that. It's called Buddhism Guide. I, I listen to it all the time. It's pretty, it's really good. It's like 10, 15 minute episodes of just kind of almost like life lessons or, or, or little things to make you think for the, for the next 20 minutes or half an hour or so. And I, I think it's just a really nice thing to do. And then the other book is I'm a, I'm a big war history buff. I, I like reading about war history and stuff. So the, the untold story of Rasputin by Joseph T. Furman, it, it's a really interesting book. Um, 
Rasputin was, uh, he befriended the last emperor of Russia, Tsar Nicholas II. He was kind of like employed as a healer of the emperor's son who had hemophilia, but he was kind of a fraud the whole time. He, they're using a lot of weird stuff like orgies and witchcraft. And like the dude's a crazy character. And at one point he was even uh, second in charge behind the Tsar's wife, Alexandra, uh, of Russia in World War One during 1915 when Tsar Nicholas had to go to uh, the war to, to defend the country basically. And he was kind of elevated just in power somehow because he had this connection with the family. And it's a really interesting story. I'm not going to spoil everything, but the dude's a psycho crazy person. He ends up getting <laughs> killed at the end of the day, at the end of the war and stuff. But man, he is a, one of the craziest characters in history that I don't think any, anybody really talks about. Oh man. Yeah. All I know is the song. So, uh... Oh yeah. The song's great too. <laughs> Definitely. The song's great. But no, like it, even if you don't want to read the book, just look up Rasputin and like look at a picture of him. He has the creepiest yeah. eyes I've ever seen in a picture from that back in the day like that. It's so terrifying. Like it's haunting almost. Yeah. I feel like those like uh those like characters in history that are just like so like you're saying like mysterious or anything of just like not really knowing and like that their story is just so I don't know. It's just like, it's not a piece of like mainstream history that you kind of figure out, but it's just like, just a character, I guess, that has just like affected so many lives, but it's just like, he's just there just being into witchcraft and stuff. Oh yeah. He was part of the reason for the Russian revolution and everything. Like he, he right. pretty much inspired it and no one really talks about him mm -hmm. because there's just so many, so many crazy characters in the history of, of the world, basically. Yeah. Oh man. Well, here, here we are, just sitting, uh, <laughs> recording a podcast. Uh, <laughs> Tony, where, where, uh, where can people find you and your stuff? Uh, you can find all my stuff at dauberprospects.com. I, I do a lot of prospect writing and stuff there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm at most of the time, tweeting out music or tweeting out hockey stuff. Uh, at the Tony Ferrari. Someone took Tony Ferrari, so I had to add that in front of it. But uh, yeah, other than that, those are the two places to find me easiest. Is As someone with a very common just full name i totally uh sympathize someone taking a handle <laughs> yeah it was uh it's some actually it's funny enough it's some like weird like little musician and stuff you like like discount justin bieber almost it's pretty cool <laughs> well okay maybe i'll have him on the show and it'll just be very <laughs> confusing um anyways you can find the show uh on twitter at big underscore shiny underscore goons you could follow me at no Sad retained on twitter as well and you can rate, review, like, subscribe, follow, um, all those things that help the podcast out and kind of just help uh, just spread the Big Shiny Goose message, I guess. Um, anyways, uh, again, thank you, Tony, so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. Anytime I can talk music, I'm, uh, I'm game. <laughs> It's just it's just a diversion. Like this is a little refresher before you dive your head in with NHL draft stuff and get mad at a team taking someone way too early. Yeah, exactly. Like when, when somebody drafts somebody seven feet tall just because they're seven feet tall, like fourth overall, I'm gonna just be able to move on and go back and listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyways, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.